Good evening. Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoint. Your program with nationally recognized guests who are experts in their fields discussing today's most pressing issues and where your viewpoints matter. So call with your question or comments about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Darnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here's your viewpoint host, Darnell Edwards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. We're glad you could join us, and I am your host, Donnell Edwards. Uh, we uh, have a very special program tonight for those who may be concerned, concerned about their uh, nutrition and uh, how to eat and things of that nature, how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about dieting and health. As you probably already are aware, at the CWR Talk Network, we are celebrating Women's History Month, and we're proud to present a series of short vignettes about some of the women who were pioneers in the fight for women's rights and others who are representative of the phenomenal contributions women have made in all areas of our society. So please join us in saluting the contributions of women to our world as we honor all of the great ladies throughout history. Now, when we return, we will discuss with our special guest her battles with being overweight, binge eating, dieting, and trying just about everything before learning to eat normally and control her weight. So please stay tuned. We'll return in just a minute. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Mylin is a pioneer. Her contributions to the arts are more than just about the work that she's made, the sculptures that she's produced, the monuments that she's created, the buildings that she's designed. She has really been a leader in thinking about what an American uh, aesthetic is. Not just what American art should look like, but what it should actually do and what it should speak for. At the same time, Maya's work pushes at the boundaries of what art can be in America and that it can be socially aware, that it can be beautiful, that it can function, and that can talk about issues that are going to be important for generations to come. To the CWR Talk Network, 
America's Voice for Causes, Issues, and Life Empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. If you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about dieting and health, and our special guest is speaker, writer, author, holistic health advocate, and creator of the Normal Eaters Club, Miss Jen Han. She is a world traveler and has uh, worked in Thailand, Quito, Ecuador, and other parts of South America. She has a graduate education in holistic nutrition. Please join me in welcoming to the CWR Talk Network and Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, speaker, writer, author, holistic health advocate, and world traveler, Miss Jen Hand. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and get into this juicy topic that so many people struggle with. So thanks for having me. You're very welcome, and we are, we're glad that you could join us. Now, first of all, can you tell us what the Normal Eaters Club is? Yeah, so I actually created it a couple years ago because I was looking to create a space, a community where people could come together who were struggling with food and, and really create a, a, an affordable option. Um, because for me, when I battled binge eating, emotional eating, struggling with my weight, I desperately wanted a place to turn, a community of other people who, who understood what I was dealing with and could support me and inspire me and guide me forward. So that was sort of the catalyst for that. It was a vision I had when I was struggling, you know, years and years ago of wanting this type of community. So I created it when, when I felt like I was in a space where I could be that resource for other people. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of, it started with a little seedling of a dream and has become a very robust, beautiful space where people can come together to, to work on their own body image and food issues and weight issues. Sounds like a really good organization. Uh, now, how does someone interested get more information about the, uh, about the club? So on my website, jenhan.com, there's a ton of blogs and, and resources, and there's a little kind of thing on the side and on the top that has a link to it. So that's, that's the best place to find it. Very good. Now, can you share with us your story about uh, battling weight, food, and uh, body from the beginning in, uh, in high school? Yes, and I will try and keep it as brief as possible and not go down every okay. rabbit hole. But I, I really struggled, you know, like any other teenager, being insecure, being self-conscious. I had gained a lot of weight going through puberty and just became, as a woman, very self-conscious of my body. And it sort of begins this innocent little whim of, hey, I'm going to lose weight for the prom. And I decided to buy these diet pills that I saw at a store and taking these diet pills, really restricting what I was eating, I lost maybe 25 pounds in a very short time, maybe like six weeks. And that kind of began that spiral of I had lost a lot of weight for the prom. And then after the prom, I, I couldn't sustain it because I wasn't really eating much. I was exercising a lot and ended up binging. And, and that kind of spiraled out of control. So I spent the next five or 10 years really in this vicious cycle of trying to diet, trying to restrict, buying diet pills, really desperately wanting to lose weight and maybe achieving my goal or maybe not, but then swinging to the other extreme of binging and not being able to control my, my urges and my compulsions to eat and eating in secret and being very ashamed. So it was really this sort of 
overall 12 to 13 year battle before I, before I realized I had a serious issue, which sounds odd to, to, to say, well, how could I not know I had a serious issue? But for me, I hadn't remembered a time where it, where I wasn't either dieting or binging. So from the, you know, in, in late, this is probably very early, early high school. So in, when I was 15 or I would say 14, 15, from that point, I, I couldn't remember having a healthy, normal relationship with food. So it became this vicious cycle where I either spent my days dieting or I spent my days binging and nothing in between. And so when I realized I actually had a problem, I began to get help, began to dig into the food piece, the emotional eating, my body image stuff, how to, how to find health with all these food rules and shoulds and supposed tos and sort of began my own healing journey. And um, through that, I really learned how, not only how to heal myself, but a sort of system that, that talks, that dives into most of the big themes that people struggle with who do struggle with food and weight and trying to control their bodies. Okay. Now, how long did you go through this? Did you experience this uh, before seeking help? It was probably, I would say I began getting help at around maybe 20, 21. Um, Okay. And so I was in that cycle for maybe seven years, six, seven years, to some degree, to some level of extreme, and then began healing, began working through my own stuff. Um, and I mean, it definitely took my, my issues were so deeply seated. I think, you know, not everyone who struggles with food and with their body and with weight has the depth of the issues that I struggled with. But, um, so I think it took me a little bit longer to work through that stuff and to really feel like I had a grasp on being able to eat and being able to enjoy food without feeling guilty and being able to maintain a stable weight and that kind of thing. Okay, now at, while you were going through this, did you talk to anyone, or did anyone talk to you, or did you see the need to talk to anyone? Did you think this was a, a, a normal experience, or uh, just just what was your thinking at that time? Yeah, so I actually remember when I did lose a lot of weight the first time, my friends kind of commented. I remember the guidance counselor saying something to me, but I I didn't think I had a problem. I was just like, nope, I, I just want to lose some weight. It's fine. So I do remember thinking that, oh, well, you know, what are these people commenting for? I just want to lose some weight. You know, why, why are they concerned about it? Um, and I think it was at the prodding of more and more people and, you know, my parents when I was younger to, to see someone to maybe talk about what, what was going on and, just to explore that subject that I realized, wow, I guess this isn't really how most people look at food. They, they're not in these extremes. So, yeah, I do remember thinking that, oh, I know, why are these people concerned? It's fine. I just want to lose some weight. And, and then as I kind of got more extreme, I did realize I needed to talk with someone and, and did work with a woman who helped me um, in the beginning, especially really just take myself from the extremes and find more of a balance around Right, so what does it look like to eat in a way that's healthy and that's positive and you and you and that sort of began my journey to finding a relationship with food and finding how I wanted to live around food because I was spending so much time thinking about calories or what I was eating or how I could work off what I had had eaten or 
you know, so much guilt and criticism around it and finding this new relationship with, with food, essentially, that, that was sort of the start of that. Okay. So if, if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, when you're in this kind of cycle or in this mode, uh, trying to lose weight is all-consuming. It, it becomes, takes on another life of itself. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I don't think there's there's sort of degrees of that. You know, someone who's just trying to lose 10 pounds or okay. um, has, has just struggles with their weight, it might it might be consuming but not to the depth that I had. Um, I think because I was so young and impressionable and when you're in high school, I mean, there's so much focus on body and fitting in and acceptability. I think that sort of compounded the issue. So for me – it was very all-consuming. I think sometimes it can be, um, you know, less extreme than, hey, I'm just trying to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds or 30 pounds or, or however many pounds, but it doesn't become this all-consuming type of thing, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Is, is there any data that you can share that shows if there's a that certain age groups that have this problem more than others? For example, uh, do adolescents and young adults struggle more than people who are older, or does it affect just about all age groups pretty much the same? You know, I do, I do remember reading that it, that it affects, you know, younger women, adolescents more significantly. But what's interesting in my own experience working with women, I work with you know, my, the youngest person I've worked with is, I would say, mid-20s, and then we have women all the way up through their mid-70s. So, okay. to me, it's, it's um, almost a universal issue where, and, and I primarily work with women, so that's what I'm speaking about as, as far as the age ranges. But um, I, think as, I think people often, as they get older, are more ready to work on it, who realize, hey, I might have this problem with food and I don't quite know how to eat in a way that's healthy and, and sustainable. So I think they're maybe more apt to actually dive into that stuff. Whereas someone in their twenties, especially me, that I started when I was, you know, 21, I was like, Oh, it's fine. I'm just trying to lose weight and, and look good, you know, look good for the summer. And it seems very innocent. Whereas I think someone who's, who's older has a bit more life experience and, and wisdom to say, hey, I actually might need to examine this relationship to my body, to myself, to food a little bit more. Okay. Now, what were some of the pressures and emotions that you felt while you were going through this? I would say the biggest one for me was this sense of not feeling enough, of, you know, thinking that I had to change my body to find this, like, to me, losing weight equated to I would feel enough. I would feel like I was enough of a person. I was good enough. People would like me. People would love me. Um, so I would say that's the, the biggest pressure, which wasn't coming from anyone but myself, really. Um, you know, me telling myself, oh, I'm not good enough or feeling I wasn't good enough and that I needed to change my body in order to find that feeling. I think the other big thing for me that was so closely related to my my relationship with food and my body and myself really was the expectations I felt like I had to be someone that I wasn't. So, you know, following this linear path and I had to go to college and I was supposed to get this job and climb the corporate ladder. And then I was supposed to get married. And I felt all of these societal expectations that I didn't 
necessarily want to do or want to follow, but I didn't know how to find my own path. And that's why actually when you had said world traveler, I spent many years trying to find myself in, in, you know, all around the world and spending time in Thailand and Ecuador and backpacking to, to find out what was it that I wanted, you know, what did I enjoy? What career did I want without these societal expectations? So I would say those are the big two of that feeling of not being enough and the societal pressure that I felt to be someone that I, that I wasn't. Okay. Now, based on your world travels and your observations, is this, this problem with being so focused on losing weight, maintaining weight, having a certain uh, appearance, is, is that a world problem? Is it uh, as much of a problem in the places that you have visited, or is it something that is more of an issue here in the United States? Yeah, I definitely would say in the United States and then in the more sort of Western countries. So the okay. UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, a lot of a lot of women I work with are from those more developed countries. I would say living in Thailand, living in Ecuador, uh, traveling through South America. I think that's why I was drawn to it so much was that there wasn't this sense of importance on body image and importance on what you look like and appearance. And I, I love that freedom of you could show up however you are and, you know, no one would bat an eye. So I, I think in retrospect, looking back, why I was drawn towards living in those places, exploring those places was really the lack of pressure as a woman, especially to, to focus on my appearance. So yeah, I would say it's, it's a much bigger problem in the state in the in Canada, the UK, where where you know we're not we're not we have we have um, this culture almost of 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 body image focus and focus on appearance kind of thing. Okay, all right. Now, for those who are listening, to understand that you're speaking from a place where you have experienced a lot of the things that you're talking about. Uh, can you share with them some of the, the, the things that, that you tried in your quest to get your weight to where you wanted it to be and your body to look the way that you wanted it to be? Yes, I, I honestly tried everything. So I so everything, the beginning was diet pills. So I took diet pills for a couple of years. Um, so I tried every diet. I wrote a blog post once called I. I can't even remember what the title was, but something about I've tried 116 diets because I remember counting them <laughs> once and looking at because there's like, you know, the Hollywood diet where you just drink something for two days and then there's the cabbage and lemon diet and then there's the more common diets where it's Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or Paleo or, you know, cutting out carbs or counting, counting macros. So honestly, anything when I was struggling that promised weight loss, I signed up for um, and even things like clen liquid cleanses, juice cleanses. I actually went away to a yoga retreat in the hopes that <laughs> I would, by the time I came back, I would lose weight because I was doing so much yoga. So a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of the things that I tried were sort of subliminally like, I want to hope I lose weight at the end. Um, so tons of diets, uh, 
like Weight Watchers, and I said Jenny Craig, all those kinds of diets and stuff, diet pills. And then I even tried um, colonics, which is like a col- colonic irrigation that cleanses the intestines in the hope uh, that mm-hmm. I heard it had promoted weight loss. And, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's more of a holistic, I guess, kind of approach. But um, looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I tried that to lose weight. <laughs> so, yeah, anything – Anything that promised the solution that I thought I wanted, I definitely gave a shot. And and honestly, towards the end, I think when I was really ready to, I was ready to let go of dieting more. I think the the solutions that I bought into lasted fewer and fewer days. So you know, I remember buying a, I think it was like a six hundred and fifty dollar. Um, program that I saw at, at, on a nutrition poster at the gym where it was, you did a shake in the morning, all these supplements and a shake at lunch. And then you had this very specific dinner. And I remember lasting two days and then just being like, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Cause all I thought about was binging and food and I just want to eat. And it felt so restrictive. And I just, you know, basically threw out $600, $650 because I couldn't last on it. So I think it was like my body telling me, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't last for more than a day or two on, on whatever <laughs> program that you're trying to put me on. <laughs> <laughs> that is very interesting. So you said, if I heard you correctly, that you tried 116 different kinds of diets? Yeah. And, you know, there were all, some, some of them were sort of like, maybe variations of each other. Like, okay, I did paleo and then I did whole 30, which are very similar, but technically they're two separate diets. So I counted them separately, but yeah, I mean, this was over about 12 or 13 years. So that's like, you know, it, yeah, it was, it was a lot of diets. That's still a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Now, if you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards viewpoints. And our topic tonight is how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about dieting and health. And our special guest is speaker, writer, author, and holistic health advocate, Ms. Jan Hand. We would love to hear your viewpoints about eating disorders, dieting, and weight loss. So call us now at 563-999-3660. When you call, please remain on the line. And you'll be placed into our call queue. That number again is 563-999-3660. And when we return, we will be discussing how to determine if you have an eating disorder and knowing yourself. So stay tuned. Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag 1 million strong. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted 15, 14, 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized, realized he forgot his homework. I hope, hope he doesn't I have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. People been saying. 
online, you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Sojourner Truth was born around 1797 in Ulster County, New York. Originally named Isabella Bomfrey, Truth was sold at 11 years old along with a flock of sheep for $100. Sojourner Truth wrote about her life as a child in slavery and she talked about experiencing sexual abuse and continued beatings and whippings by her slave owner. Truth fled her master in 1826, one year before the abolition of slavery in New York, and eventually became a freed slave. After Truth became a free woman, she had the courage to go to court to challenge the legality of her son being sold into slavery. She was successful against so many odds, which is what makes that court case so amazing. Inspired by religion, she changed her name to Sojourner Truth in 1843. The following year, she joined forces with abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison. Sojourner Truth became a traveling preacher, but also she was an early women's rights advocate, and so she spoke very forcefully for that as well. In 1850, she published her memoirs, and the following year, Truth delivered her famous speech at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention. The speech was later retitled, Ain't I a Woman? And it was so powerful, in part because it talked about the equality of work that was executed by black people in general, that people who were free and unfree worked just as hard whether they were men or women. Following the outbreak of the Civil War, Truth recruited troops for the Union Army and met with President Lincoln in 1864, who gave her permission to become a counselor at Freedman's Village. Sojourner Truth made a singular contribution during the Civil War. She agitated for black people to be able to fight for their own freedom. Truth continued to campaign for abolition and women's rights until her death on November 26, 1883. In 2009, a statue of Sojourner Truth was unveiled at the U.S. Capitol, commemorating her legacy. Sojourner Truth was one of the gutsiest women in American history, black or white. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. This is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints. Tonight's topic for our discussion is how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about dieting and health. And our very special guest is speaker, writer, author, and holistic health advocate, Miss Jen Hand. Before we continue, we would like to recognize the CWR Talk Network Corporate Citizen of the Month, and that is Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods has a history of being a good corporate citizen, and we're recognizing the company for their recent action to immediately discontinue the sale of assault-style rifles and high-capacity magazines and requiring all purchasers of guns 
to be at least 21 years of age, regardless of the local laws. Dick's Sporting Goods has taken this action in a very volatile political climate that is sure to cause them backlash from gun lobbyists and others opposed to stricter gun control and may result in financial loss. However, in spite of this knowledge, Dick's Sporting Goods did the right thing, the responsible thing. As a result of this, the CWR Talk Network is proud to recognize Dick's Sporting Goods as our Corporate Citizen of the Month for March. Now we return to our program. If you just turn, uh, just tune in, uh, we are discussing how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about dieting and health with our special guest, writer, speaker, author, and holistic health advocate, Miss Jen Han. Now, uh, Jen, how can a person tell if they have an eating disorder? So I like to sort of think of it on a spectrum. So a lot of times people might not think they have an issue if they're not anorexic, meaning starving themselves, restricting severely, or bulimic, whereas you're purging your food. And for me, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't bulimic, I wasn't purging, and I wasn't, I, I technically actually wasn't anorexic either because they're used to sort of have a certain calorie restriction and weight loss and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, how I like to define it is, how much it impacts your life. So if you find yourself consumed and thinking about your weight and your body and your food and what you're eating and what you're not eating and just living in this world where you can't stop obsessing over and thinking about it, to me that's where there's that sort of red flag of, of hey, maybe there's something that we need to look at that, is, that needs to be healed and, and addressed and look deeper into. So, so for me, it's less about like a diagnosis and more about how is it impacting your life? Is, is your battle with your weight and battle with how you eat on a daily basis something that you think about 24-7? If so, then, then maybe it's something to look a little bit deeper into. Okay. Now, Jen, most people associate eating disorders and dieting with females. Is this a major problem with males as well? Yeah, so I love this question because I do think there is an assumption that it's it's mostly with women, and I get emails from, so I don't work specifically with men at this time anyway, but I do get emails from men who are in my community, who read my blogs, who watch my videos, who who are like, you need to start something for men, there are us out there, you know, <laughs> we struggle too, and, and, and I kind of tell them, I know I'm not trying to discount you or, or exclude you or anything, it's just where, where I personally find the most... I feel the most comfortable in working with women, but I definitely think that from the male perspective, it's, it's the body image pressure is still there. It's just in a different way for women. A lot of times it's being thinner, being smaller, this sort of ideal we have in our head of what we're supposed to look like in a thin, in a thin or, and now it's not even thin. It's like maybe thin, but curvy, you know, that the, it always changes depending on, you know, what decade we're in and what celebrities are right. popular, but for men, I think it's more of the being strong, being fit, being muscular, being toned. That pressure is where that sort of, those sort of body image and weight issues come up. It's, so it's a very similar issue, just from a different perspective. Okay, so the principles that you teach women will those work for men, and uh, may men join the Normal Eaters Club? 
So, yes, principles are exactly the same, and I think it's really universal. Um, and, and everything that I teach and that I write about and that I do videos on, for me it's always like take what resonates with you at, and, and leave the rest because certain times you're ready to hear certain things and you might something might not make sense to you, but you might come back to it and be like, oh, that's what that meant, and, and that it, it sort of clicks for you then. So the principles are absolutely the same for um, – for either gender and at this time males cannot cannot join the normal ages club but who knows because i have recently in the past probably six months have had more and more males asking for something and I'm like, <laughs> i can't ignore this anymore i have to create some sort of community for these guys too <laughs> yeah we don't want to be left out <laughs> okay all right uh now is uh is taking part of uh part of uh taking control really getting to know oneself and one's true perception of who they are. For example, what role does too much concern about body image and what other people may think about how one may look play in a person being obsessed with losing weight? Yeah, so it's it's funny because I have so many people say to me, you know, if I lived on an island somewhere where no one, there were no inhabitants, I wouldn't care what I looked like. So a lot of times it's this sort of fear of what other people are thinking about us or what other people think about our bodies or if we've gained weight, the judgment that people have about us. So, um, yeah, I think that for me, finding, finding comfort within my own self had to take priority over what other people were thinking and, and what society expected of me and how my body should look. So it, it, my own sort of journey led me to, okay, well, how do I feel comfortable in my own body? And how can I let go of this constant thinking about what other people are thinking? And when I sort of realized it, it didn't really make any sense anyway, because I was like, well, I'm thinking that they're thinking something, but I don't ever know if they actually think that. So I'm creating all this suffering for myself based on something that I don't even know is true. Um, but it is a very real fear. I do think that so many people, especially if they've struggled with their weight, that they fear what even their close friends and family think. So, yeah, I, I do think there's this knowing yourself, finding that relationship to your own level of being acceptable and feeling enough and how, how we can find that really inside of ourselves and not have it be because our body is a certain way or because of what we look like in the mirror. Okay. Now, you also recommend – self-love and acceptance, how is that important in learning to eat normally? Oh, my gosh. To me, that's so important because (laughs) there's this weird paradox, which is is very hard to wrap your mind around, but a lot of people struggle with beating themselves up and punishing themselves to lose weight. So a lot of diets are like, do this for 30 days, and then you'll lose 15 pounds and feel awesome. And we hate our bodies and expect to lose the 30 pounds and then love our bodies. And in reality, it's, it's the opposite. We have to find this, this place of acceptance and love from within ourselves and learn how to love ourselves as we are. And that's what actually opens up the door for change. And again, it's such a paradox and I fought this one for so many years, but it was once I started really, working on accepting myself and accepting my body and as is whether it changed or not that's when it began to actually change and my weight began to stabilize and it's such we're taught 
such a backwards concept in the diet world, in the weight loss world, because it says, no, hate your body now, but do our program, and then you get to the end and you'll love your body. And it, it just never works like that because we either get to the end and then don't know how to keep the weight off and we panic, or we get to the end and we're like, well, now what? I am not following this plan anymore, so how do I sustain this? And it just sort of creates a setup for failure around we think acceptability and self-love comes from something external and the reality is we have to find it within ourselves to be able to find the external acceptance. I know it's such a, it's such a paradox, but um, it's so true. It really is. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, Tell you what, we're going to take another break right here and then we're going to come back and uh, talk some more. Uh, You're listening to Donnell Edwards viewpoints and our topic tonight is, how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about diving and health. And our special guest is speaker, writer, author, and holistic health advocate, Miss Jen Hand. And when we return, uh, we are going to be discussing how to eat normally and have a healthy relationship with food. So stay tuned and join us when we come back in just a few minutes. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Dolores Huerta was one of the most influential labor activists of the 20th century. In 1955, Huerta officially began her career as an activist by helping community organizer Fred Roth to start the Stockton chapter of the Community Service Organization, which fought for economic improvements for Hispanics. And in 1960, she helped found the Agricultural Workers Association. It was through her work with these organizations that Dolores met fellow activist and labor leader Cesar Chavez. And in 1962, they founded the National Farm Workers Association, the predecessor to the United Farm Workers Union, formed in 1965. The 1965 Delano Grape Strike was a major catalyst for the group's efforts. Huerta helped to organize the strike of more than 5,000 grape workers and the subsequent boycott of the wine company. For her life's work as a civil rights activist, Puerto received the 2011 Presidential Medal of Freedom. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. This is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. 
And our discussion tonight is how to enjoy eating normally, the truth about dieting and health. We're joined by holistic health advocate, Ms. Jen Han. Now, Jen, you describe your mission as dispelling all myths related to dieting, debunking food rules, letting go of how we should eat, and bringing enjoyment and sanity back to eating. Can you elaborate on how you are achieving those goals? Yeah, so I think we are in this culture where we're so confused about what we're supposed to eat because it's like cut out carbs, and it's like, no, don't, don't cut out sugar. And it's like, well, no, sugar's not that bad. It's fat that's bad. Or don't eat animal protein. No, eat animal protein. So I think over the years we've had so much information about do this, not that. No, wait, do this, not that. And and we've gotten so far away from what works for each person and what foods give our own bodies energy and what feels good for us. So for me, my passion is to really help people let go of all of the outside information, all of the rules, all of the supposed to's, and learn how to listen to their bodies and to find a way of eating that works for them because realistically we're all different. We all have different bodies, different metabolisms, different preferences, and so our eating should really reflect that. And, of course, there's, there's common, you know, eating foods from the earth and fruits and vegetables are wonderful, and that's all true. It's just finding our own path of how to go about listening to our own body's wisdom and finding a way, a healthy way that works for us. So um, I blog all the time, the Normal Eaters Club, as you mentioned. I'm so passionate about doing videos and, and, and giving a lot of free resources to people to help them begin to let go. Um, I, I actually just started a podcast um, a couple months ago, which has been a blast. So, yeah, putting out lots of content for people to really dig into and, and be able to learn, hey, well, what, what are my food rules? How do I let go of dieting and start to listen to their bodies? Okay, very good. Now, uh, tell us about finding a way of eating that, that, that works long term. Now, for example, uh, when we talk about dieting, there are pros and cons. Some people say that there's some diets that work depending on who you are, what you need. And there are some people who say that dieting doesn't work. And most people who diet regain the weight. So what, what is long-term? Uh, is dieting a, a good thing? So my, I'm in the camp that diets don't work for the long-term. And I think that's where it's a little bit misleading is that a lot of times diet success is measured in the short term. So if you're doing something for 30 days or six months, you might achieve the result you set out to, to get, but let's revisit that in a year, two years, 10 years, you know, have you okay. still maintain that goal. So for me, it would be that long-term view or that diets don't work simply because if you go on something which is what every diet is, you go on it, you know, I'm going on paleo, I'm going on Weight Watchers, or I'm doing Weight Watchers, it's like you, you go off it at some point. So, um, you know, it's like there's an end to it, and then you're kind of left with, okay, well, if I'm not following these rules, what am I supposed to do? And, and I remember that feeling for me so many times of achieving my goal with a diet and then thinking, right, now what? I lost the weight, now what do I do? I don't know how to eat. So it was kind of, um, it's, it's, 
for me, learning, you know, it, it's almost counterintuitive learning to listen to our bodies because we're like, no, no, my body just tells me to eat ice cream all day. And that often <laughs> is the result of, of like, you know, telling yourself, no, you can't eat ice cream. You shouldn't eat ice cream. It's not healthy. It's like that knee-jerk reaction. Well, you tell yourself you can't have something over and over, and you immediately want it. You know, we're all like those little those little toddlers that you tell them you can't have cake, and what do they want? They want the cake. Um, so for me, it's really uh, about sustainability in eating and asking yourself, hey, is how I'm eating, is this sustainable for the long term? And, and even if you think about the other extreme of, of people who go off diets and they say, well, I'm afraid if I don't diet, then I'll just eat cookies and candies and cakes all day. And then you sort of ask yourself, well, how would my body feel in 30 days if I literally ate sugar for all meals every single day? And the reality is we probably wouldn't feel that great. You know, our bodies would want some more nutrition and more nourishment and more vitamins and minerals from our food. So it, it finding that balance of I'm not dieting, but I'm not just eating sugar all day and, and learning what balance works. For, for each person and, and 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 I think a big thing too is trust like learning how to if you're not on a diet how do you trust your body to, to tell you what it needs and how do you hear those messages okay I think most of us at one point have asked why is it so hard to lose weight and keep it off so can you answer <laughs> that for us <laughs> the million dollar question right <laughs> so I would say a lot of times we do something extreme to lose weight that's not sustainable. So if you think about all the times you've done something to lose weight or, you know, I think about even the, the times where I've lost a lot of weight, extreme weight losses, obviously more extreme measures to lose that weight, but even sort of smaller weight losses, for me a lot of times have been doing something very extreme. And I, I think it's hard to lose it and keep it off because we're so focused on the short term a lot of times. So when my weight loss and stability came for me it was over years of of working on my emotions and why I was turning to food and and find building a life that made me happy so I didn't turn to food to find happiness so I think a lot of times in the short term we expect oh I lost 10 pounds on this juice fast how come I can't keep it off well the reality is that's not how we want to do it for the long term. So it's like almost that, that instant gratification in our society creates that problem when we're losing weight because we want that fast, instant fix instead of having it be over years of looking at the deeper issues or looking at our relationship to food or our bodies or our emotions and going deeper into that stuff and letting the weight take care of itself on its own. Okay. So in other words, instead of trying this and trying that and – trying this diet and that diet or whatever, uh, we need to learn for the long term to eat every day normally but in a healthy manner that will help us to be healthier and also uh, contribute to our maintaining a healthy weight. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and I love how you say that in, in every day because – Think about eating in a way that's healthy for you today and nourishing your body and taking care of yourself, excuse me, and then doing it tomorrow again and the next day and the next day. It's like that builds up over a lifetime because we don't want to just take care of ourselves and pay attention to our food for 30 days and then we're done. It's sort of this, this lifetime relationship where we're building 
awareness with our food and awareness with our body and learning how to take care of ourselves and learning how to find health for us. So, yeah, I love that you put it in that perspective of, of a daily thing because it's like, you know, when you're in, a, in an intimate relationship or when you have a friendship you want to cultivate or you're in your job, it's like you, you pay attention every day and cultivate whatever your, you know, a relationship or finishing a project, you're, you're paying attention to the things that matter. And it's that same thing with food. It's the same thing with our bodies. Yes, every day we have to pay attention and, and look at how we're fueling ourselves and are we taking care of ourselves and are we treating ourselves in a healthful manner. Okay. Now, I want to go back and follow up on a comment you made earlier about some things that people recommend to cut out, like uh, sweets and carbs and things of that nature. So in actually eating normally, is it that basically we can eat whatever we choose to eat as long as we watch our portions? Some of us eat too much and also eat things in moderation where we're not eating things that are not healthy on a daily basis, but maybe we, we treat ourselves. Uh, is that kind of where we need to look, look at going the direction we need to go in? Yeah. And I think also for me, a big part of it is paying attention to how foods make me feel. So if, if we okay. have this idea in our brain, okay, cut out carbs. So let's look a little bit deeper at that and say, all right, so when I have a lot of carbs throughout the day, when I'm eating a lot of bread, when I have a lot of pasta, when I have a lot of rice, how is that making me feel? Is it making me feel sluggish? Do I feel like I want to take a nap? Am I feeling just kind of low energy all day? Or does it, does it not impact me in that way? So I think um, paying attention to how foods make you feel can help you navigate whether to have more or less of something. Cause, because it's always when we say – cut out something, it's, it's, it's so hard to say, sustain that I'm cutting out carbs, that black and white way of thinking. So instead of that very rigid approach, it can be helpful to say, right, well, what, what kinds of carbs work better for me? So maybe it's the, okay. it's the less refined carbs work better. And, you know, those are the sometimes foods, the treat foods. So yeah, for me, it's um, that and also really paying attention to, and sugar is also a big one, you know, if I'm eating sugar all day, how do I feel? Usually I'm, you know, off the wall and crazy. I need to balance it with some protein, balance it with some vegetables. <laughs> so it's like really looking at not this black and white rule we have for ourselves, but how is it impacting my body, my energy, my moods, my temperament? And then the decision becomes much easier to say, oh, well, I know when I have three bowls of ice cream right before bed, I can't sleep. So, so let's change that. Let's only have one bowl and see how I feel. Okay. Now, Jen, uh, what do you teach is based on holistic nutrition principles. So what do you say to those who may be listening who do not understand holistic nutrition or who do not believe in it? I like to think of holistic nutrition just as a an approach to our bodies that include more than just our physical selves. So if we think about okay. it like we have thoughts, we have emotions, um, you know, we relate to the world in a specific way. So I like to think of food, a lot of times diets and food plans make it just physical. Like eat this, it's easy, follow our plan, you can lose weight. And in reality, we're much more complex than just, you know, we're not machines. It's not like, okay, kale smoothies in, weight loss output. It's, we think about <laughs> things, we feel things, we react to things. So even though I wish it were that simple, sometimes we are more complex than that. So 
I think just if you if you're not quite a believer in it, it can help to reframe to just think, hey, it's just that sort of bigger picture, more inclusive way of looking at health than to just say, oh, it's just physical, eat this, and it's easy kind of thing. That's a great answer. Now, in conclusion, what final thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? I would say that um, food and our relationship to food in our bodies can can actually be a great, and I, this is going to, you know, I hope no one runs away when they hear this, that the struggle can be a great doorway into looking at other stuff within your lives. And because when I look back on my own journey and when I look at some of the women I've worked with, it, it, the results that they get are often unexpected. Like, wow, I felt like I could connect more deeply with my partner because I wasn't thinking about my body all the time, or I was able to express an emotion to someone because I, I learned that I didn't go right into the food and I said, I said how I felt to someone. So I think for me, our cravings, our compulsions, what we're doing with food are often a sign to go deeper, to look at something in our lives, a stressful situation that we're bored and we're turning to food or we're lonely, we're unhappy with something. So it, be, it can be a great doorway into pointing the way into hey, I'm a red flag, come look at me over here, and, and not just ignoring it. Okay. Now, how many listeners contact you to learn about your work, your books, or to hire you to speak to their company or organization? So my website, www.jenhand.com, that's the best way to reach me. There's a contact form. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, at Jen Han Consulting, but easiest way is probably through my website. Okay. Now, you also offer a free publication, and we wanted to make our listeners aware of that, uh, The Guide to End the Diet Cycle. So how may listeners receive their free copy? So that's actually also on the website, jenhan.com, um, and there's, a, there's kind of like a pop-up box that comes up, and then you also see it in the header. So that, that can be found there as well. Okay. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing with us your own personal experience with your eating disorder and how it led you to becoming an advocate for eating normally and still controlling weight. And on behalf of the CWR Talk Network, thank you so much for appearing tonight on Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Donnell. It was great to chat. Okay. Now, we would also like to thank each of you, our listeners in CWR Nation, for joining us for tonight's program. We have a very special uh, Women's History Month edition of our program coming up this Thursday night. That's uh, March 22nd. And my guest will be Professor Judith Byfield, Associate Professor of History at Cornell University. We will be discussing great women in history and their contributions yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Please join us for this special program to honor the achievements and contributions of women to our society. And don't forget, uh, we're also available uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google+. And if you miss an episode, you may listen to them through these services. That's it for tonight. As is our custom, we leave you with our musical message for this week. And we try to find a song that relates to our topic for the week. And we feel this song 
meets that criteria. However, it was uh, still a difficult choice because there are two versions of this song that are both really outstanding. The song was originally recorded by George Benson and was later recorded by Whitney Houston. The song stresses, as we've talked about tonight, the importance of learning to love ourselves. In the case of uh, tonight's program, to love our body, to love the way that we look and not worry too much about what other people think. The song is uh, about dignity and pride. It was a theme to the first major movie about the greatest heavyweight boxing champion to ever live, the late Muhammad Ali. We decided that the Whitney Houston version was probably the most popular, so enjoy Whitney as she sings The Greatest Love of All. Have a good night and a great week, and please join us again Thursday night at 6.30 p.m.
You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. <laughs> 